providing timely, relevant content to providers who care for children. Welcome to Pediatrics in Practice, presented by Children's Mercy Kansas City. Here's Dr. Michael Smith. All right, so our topic today is pediatric uveitis. My guest is Dr. Ashley Cooper. Dr. Cooper is Interim Division Director of Pediatric Rheumatology at Children's Mercy. Dr. Cooper, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. I want to I want to start by um, mentioning something here. I, th- I I think we forget sometimes as general practitioners, um, uh, general pediatricians that that rheumatologists treat more than just joints, right? Um, can you just maybe review a little bit about the scope of the practice for a rheumatologist? Sure. So. We um, we certainly see arthritis as sort of our bread and butter um, in rheumatology, but we also take care of a lot of other autoimmune and autoinflammatory diseases that really can affect almost any part of the body. Some of those diseases are multi-system, like lupus, and some of them are conditions that we maybe help other specialties treat, like autoimmune brain diseases or autoimmune eye diseases that children require immunosuppression for. Yeah, and so that that brings up pediatric uveitis, right? So here's an example of the, you know the scope of what you guys actually do, uh, and and what you actually treat. So tell us a little bit about uveitis. Yeah, so uveitis is um, it's really a group of of conditions that cause inflammation in that really vascular middle layer of the eye called the uvea. So sometimes that can occur as an acute problem that self-resolves or resolves with a short course of maybe topical steroids, but in a lot of children who have uveitis, it's a chronic disease um, that may be related to either an an underlying autoimmune disease like juvenile arthritis or can occur as an idiopathic autoimmune condition where the only part of the body that's affected is the eye. So in those acute cases um, that, you, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, do, do you normally resolve or maybe there's some steroids being used? What What is the cause in those those cases? So there, there are a lot of different causes in those cases. Those are usually not the cases that I get involved in. Um, some of those patients are probably never referred to a rheumatologist and, and managed by ophthalmology. Um, but sometimes that can be triggered by infection or there there might be a genetic predisposition. So sometimes people, when, when people carry an HLA-B27, like we can see in other autoimmune conditions, that sets them up to have an episode or even recurrent episodes of acute uveitis that resolves mm-hmm. after a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So your but expertise it, but again, in all this I, is, I is when I often don't see those kids. Right, right, yeah. right. You're, 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 you're going to be referred to when it's chronic, right? That's, you know, when we're not able Actually. to treat it. And, uh, and and so now we need to really look at what's going on here. That's when someone like a Dr. Cooper would, would step in. So tell us a little bit about, so we're going to focus on chronic uveitis. Tell us, are there different types of chronic uveitis? Yep. So we, uh, we classify uveitis based on a couple things. Um, the first one would be what part of the eye is affected? Is it the front or anterior uveitis? Is it the middle which people call intermediate uveitis, or or there's a special type called pars planitis. Is it the back of the eye, posterior uveitis, or is it the whole eye, which is called panuveitis? And then the other way we classify it is is based on, you know, what's the underlying cause. So we look for infections. There are certain infections that can can trigger or cause uveitis. Um, There's a lot of autoimmune diseases, including juvenile arthritis, sarcoid, IBD, 
Um, and then again, about probably about 40% or so of the kids we treat with this, we don't identify an underlying cause. So either we can't find mm. it, yeah. approve it, or it's, it's truly an isolated eye disease. How many patients um, do you guys see over at Children's Mercy with chronic uveitis? So we see them in a couple different ways. Um, there are, are some kids that we, we follow separately with ophthalmology and rheumatology. Those are mostly kids with um, juvenile arthritis to their arthritis is their main problem, and they have mild uveitis. I don't have a good number of those, of how many of those we have, but we do have a combined uh, multidisciplinary clinic where we see the, the worst and most refractory cases. We have about 100 active patients in that clinic kind of at all times. Um, so that's a pretty decent size cohort, and it's a unique way to see patients. There's only only a handful of combined opso room uveitis clinics for children in the U.S. Yeah, so so with these kids, um, how do most of them present then? So, um, you know, we have a, cra- a case of chronic uveitis. How did that initial... Uh, child present to say the the general pediatrician and which what are some of those symptoms and some of those signs that the generalist should look for so there's a couple different ways and I think this is where it gets a little tricky some kids will present with um, with obvious symptoms so some kids will present in an acute way with a painful red photophobic eye that oftentimes is initially confused for con- conjunctivitis and treated for that for quite some time before they realize it's not responding the way we'd expect. Something is different going on. And so those kids really should be referred to an ophthalmologist if you think a child has conjunctivitis or, or they have a really painful photophobic eye that's not responding as you'd expect. The harder kids to diagnose, and this is really what we see more, um, a lot of kids with chronic uveitis really don't have any symptoms until they have damage. Mm. So they have no redness, no sensitivity to light, little kids can't describe floaters or symptoms like that. So they may be walking around with inflammation in their eye for a long time until they develop something obvious like a cataract or an irregular pupil from scarring or, unfortunately, until they develop decreased vision. And really, at mm-hmm. that point, we've, we've sort of missed the boat. We haven't, we haven't treated them at the optimal time. So for kids who have idiopathic uveitis like that, where they don't have an underlying disease that's prompting us to screen them, Sometimes they already have damage in their eyes by the time we, we diagnose them. Oh, yeah. For kids who have juvenile arthritis, though, we have this wonderful opportunity to know they're at risk for that happening and to screen them in a very proactive way so that we can find it before that happens. Right, right. So in those, in those patients that you are screening for various reasons, you find it, uh, they get the diagnosis of chronic uveitis, what, what's the treatment plan for them? So usually um, the ophthalmologist will start first with some sort of steroids, either either topical or oral steroids, or sometimes sometimes even an injection of steroids into the eye, depending on the type. Um, and that's really first line therapy, just as a trial to see does this resolve? Is this going to is this truly going to become chronic? And then if it is chronic, and we're not able to get them off of steroids, which have a lot of morbidity, um, we end up treating these patients with immunosuppressive drugs. So that's really, um, in addition to helping diagnose the underlying condition, that's really where rheumatologists can play a role in these patients' care, is in helping to manage meds that we use all the time for mm-hmm. other diseases like methotrexate or biologic drugs such as TNF inhibitors, which work really yeah. well for uveitis. 
And, and, and if you start treatment before there's damage, what's the outcome for these kids? So the hope is if you, if you control the inflammation completely, that you'll prevent any of that damage from ever happening. And these kids are hard to treat, um, and some of them require a lot of medications. And that can be hard for families because, especially if they have a child who has no symptoms in their eye, and mm-hmm. we're, we're asking them to use a lot of strong medicine, um, that can be hard to swallow. Um, yeah. So I think that's where a, a collaborative approach and great communication with families really plays a great role. So we can explain to them that we're trying to prevent their child from developing blindness right. over time. Yeah, yeah. And that's something I'm, I've always been, Dr. Cooper, very impressed with Children's Mercy, right? You guys, many of your departments and clinics are multidisciplinary. You have a lot of different professionals involved. There's family education. Um, and, and I know you guys get really close to the patients and the family. And that's something I've always respected about child, Children's Mercy. Let's Let's end with this, Dr. Cooper. What would you like the audience to know about pediatric uveitis? I think my top two tips would be if you have a child who has a red painful eye that doesn't seem typical for conjunctivitis or something that you see frequently in your practice, please refer them to an ophthalmologist for an exam. Um, And then second, if you have kids you follow in your practice that have autoimmune disease like JIA or sarcoid, lupus, be in communication with their rheumatologist about how often they need eye screening and, and help reinforce to families how important that is. Dr. Cooper, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing at Children's Mercy and also thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Pediatrics in Practice with Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.